Welcome back, inebriates. Uh, this is your faithful host, Andy. And I'm going to apologize in advance. My voice is pretty shot between <coughs> uh, being outside in this wonderful smoky air uh, and um, allergies and pollen and whatnot. So please bear with me if my voice isn't uh, as silky smooth as it always is, I guess. I don't know. Um, so today we, um, if you don't know, uh, Nebrod is, is launching a new venture this year. We're doing a Pages and Pints Small Press Expo on August 20th at the Mayflower Brewery here in Plymouth. And we're just getting together a bunch of uh, small press, local, um, self-published, even a mom and pop bookstore, um, just to kind of get eyes on those things. We, we love you know helping creative people promote what they do. And uh, because of that, we're bringing back on past guests, uh, who will be there, uh, Catherine Silva. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So um, I was poking around your website. You do have a new book coming out. I so do. that's always exciting. It's a ghost yeah. story. It is. It's, yeah. um, it's a sequel to The Wild Dark, which came out in 2021. So it's ghosts. It's scary monsters. It's cults. Uh, and it's purgatory forests taking over the world, all kinds of stuff. Um, is, is this like a, a three part? <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry, my voice is shot. Um, no, is this like okay. a is this like a, a second of a three part? I mean, that seems to be the um, it's not actually. I'm I'm not doing the traditional you know trilogy, uh, it's actually the final part, uh, two part series, main series, and then. There's a lot of like little tangents though. Like I have novelettes and short stories and um, little breakoffs here and there that are all related that mm -hmm. um, I'm also going to keep working on and keep coming out with different things here and there. But um, now main series though, these are the only two books. So when you're creating sort of a, I don't know, what's the, What's the book term for cinematic universe? I mean, that seems to be the buzzword that everyone's using now. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like a literature shared yeah. shared universe. I don't know what the. Do you find it's easier to come up with stories because you've kind of created this lore for this this world? It's. I think it's less about the lore and more about the characters. Like I, once I've created characters, I just have a really hard time letting go of them. And, and I'm like, Oh, I could do, you know, this, this prequel, this backstory to what happened over here with this character before they met this character. And then like, you know, like randomly uh, I wrote a prequel to the wild dark last year that was about one of the characters that you meet in the first couple chapters. Um, and then in that book, I wrote these other two characters based off of coworkers of mine who yeah. are hilarious and, and silly. And then they got their own spinoff uh, in a, you know, Christmas comedy horror short story, just because I felt like it, you know, they were just, I just thought they needed their own story and um and other readers really enjoyed that too. So um so yeah, just wherever the the characters take me. Yeah. I, I, I always find it interesting with like these huge um 
franchises. I mean, Star Wars is a perfect example where, you know, everyone has to have a, a solo movie or yeah. cartoon. And just sometimes you're like, there's no story there. Like, I'm not interested yeah. at all in what this person is doing. It's like if it's done well. Yeah. And like and I'm interested in that character, then cool. Like, for example, Andor. Oh, Andor was great. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, like Book of Boba Fett could have been executed just a little bit better. Um, but Boba Fett's an amazing character in that, you know, people were interested to know what was going on. So it was it was an interesting take. Um Maybe not one that everybody liked, but. I mean, I, I found with that uh, specifically the ones that I thought were good with were the kind of. Lesser known or characters that were just made up within the universe that had their own story because it it was less. Like, I always feel like the Obi-Wan one, it felt like they're trying to tie together things they're trying to not cause plot holes Mm, yeah (laughs) and there's just too much baggage i feel like it you know the mandalorian i mean the one the the one that jumped to mind specifically was i've been re-watching uh, breaking bad and Mm. when they when they put out better call Saul, i mean i'm like who wants to know more about that guy and then i watched (laughs) it and i'm like i want to know more about that guy yeah and i think that's what was great about it was it was kind of you know obviously they had a story to tell and it, it wasn't it was because they had a story to tell. It wasn't because they're like, oh, this character's popular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I respect that from like from a, a storyteller standpoint, um, just having characters that you, you find intriguing. There is some mysticism to them. You want to know more about them. And so then they, they do get this um, interesting backstory. Um when it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, we're just going to do it because, you know, it's popular with fans and we have no idea what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then I'm just a little more like. Eh. And and so the an interesting thing in a horror overlap is. I find that they do that a lot with villains, you mm. know, like the Joker movie and Venom. And I'm like, I don't I don't want the focus of my story to be someone that I don't like that isn't a good guy you know but horror is kind of different because it's like the whole franchise is built around Jason or Freddy or Michael Myers but they're still not it's not their movie it's kind of the story of everyone else but but there's you know bad guys that that have uh intrigue about them bad guys that are on that line between sort of being like uh not not even they don't even have to like be sort of good guys slash bad guys i guess as long as as long as you feel for them in some way and you identify with them and um there's a really good story surrounding it then then i can see being hooked um like i haven't seen the joker movie with joaquin phoenix but I have heard really good things about it. I, I mean, and... I don't know. I just, I, I, I didn't buy into it. I, I was, I mean, because in the end, you're like, yeah, he's a psychotic 
killer. Like, I don't, I, I felt the same way about Dexter, though. You know, everybody loved Dexter. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. he's a bad guy. Like, I don't. Uh, I love Dexter. That's like, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the reboot uh, or the, you know, the, the new series that they just did. It was decent, but yeah. Um, yeah. But I am a huge fan of the original series. And uh, I mean, they they really did a great job of making you care about him, but also making it known that like, yeah, he doesn't feel anything. He's. Yeah. But he, this existence of like just not having these feelings and having to put on um you know, a show to make it seem like you're normal to blend in and just uh, doing what you have to do to achieve some sort of mental peace. It's, it was good. I, yeah. I feel like that just, that description short of, you know, the being a serial killer kind of fits a lot of people, you know, that kind of feeling out of place and yeah. I mean, more exaggerated. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, no, no serial killing. Yeah. So uh, when you're yeah. writing your stories, how do you kind of incorporate all of this? Like, are you trying to write those kind of villains that, like, how do you write a villain that people find, I don't know if endearing is the right word, but like there's certain villains, you know, Darth Vader, Joker, you know, you can go down the list that people just connect with in, in you know, unusual ways. Like how, how do you write a beloved villain or monster? So I've got, I mean, I do have both villains, human villains and monsters in my series. And the, the monsters are fun to write because they're, they're just twisted in human things um, with very basic wants and needs. You know, they're yeah. either hungry or they're uh, greedy and, humans are so much more nuanced a lot of them are villains without realizing that they're being villains because they're they're trying to do whatever they think is for the greater good and so most of my villains in my series are you know not the snidely whiplash like twisting the mustache mustache. villain they're they Uh, are just trying to find peace in themselves and that's like as long as they're at peace as long as they're doing what they think is right they're fine they don't have a lot of empathy for other people or they just assume that what they're doing for other people is you know the right thing um that's kind of like so, one of those, like I suppose antagonist is a better word than villain because you're yeah. right, like villains don't see themselves as villains. They see the hero as the villain. Um, it's, so I, I guess you try to write, like, do you try to explain their motivation? I suppose is the, the, the question. Cause I mean, I love zombies, but my one thing is don't, don't go out of your way to tell me why there are zombies. Just be like, there are zombies. Yeah. And I'm cool with yeah. that. Like, are you, are you worried about trying to explain the motivation for your, like, villain? I mean, a little bit. And that's only because, you know, our, when our main characters are put up against these people, they're curious to know why 
you know, whoever is doing what they're doing. Um, so I think those questions, the basic why and how are, are just natural. Um, but really I've, I've got both kinds, you know, I have spoiler, not spoiler. There is a cult in this upcoming book and the leader of said cult really thinks that they are doing the right thing by their people. And they do try to go out of their way to explain why they're doing it because they really want our heroes to understand. (coughs) And in the background, there is this other character with much more shadowy intentions who doesn't care what, you know, what people think of what he's doing. He's very much just interested in getting done what he has to get done. Um, And that's it. And he will do whatever he has to, to make it happen. So yeah, it's, it's, you have to sort of, I don't know, model it a little bit. And, And so when you write these characters, is there ever kind of, like you always hear about like uh, you know Heath Ledger famously and other characters kind of like getting caught in the mindset and struggling you know with portraying a villain? Do you ever have that from the writer standpoint where you like you know obviously you have to kind of get in their mindset and figure out their motivation? Do you ever have kind of like that either? Pervasive thoughts or like oh why did I think of that or like. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I, I, when I'm writing, I, I don't know how other people do it, but I do have to like get in the zone and I have to, uh, really, really get into character and I will do that by basically closing myself off in this office and listening to whatever music I need to listen to and just like dropping in. And I find that. I can't do that really well if there are other people around. I can't really do that um, if I'm distracted by other things, Um, especially villains, especially people who who have uh, such a (laughs) uh, dark outlook on things. And um, yeah, it's it's. I guess it's it's harder with some characters than with others. We'll put it at that. Is the music that you listen to like if you're working specifically on an antagonist, do you listen to a certain type of music? Like how does the music itself affect your writing? Like do you have to like have certain genres for certain scenes? Um yeah, actually. Uh it's I tend to listen to a lot of stuff without lyrics. Um, it just lyrics distract me when I'm writing. Um, so most of the stuff I listen to is this ambient dark stuff that just is reflective of, um, it's not really white noise per se, but it, it kind of has some of those aspects. Um, and I'll usually get like, stuck on one song and then I'll just put it on repeat for a while. And where that would drive other people batshit crazy. (laughs) I, I love it. 
And like, I can go hours and hours and hours listening to the same song without really noticing it. Um, And it changes it. You know, I'll get on one song for a while and then I'll switch to something else for a while, but it's usually in the same genre. Yeah. Nice. Ooh, excuse me. So uh, when does the wild fall come out? It comes out August 3rd. Perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I chose that for a few reasons. <clears throat> that is because one, August is my birth month and mm. I love August and I wanted it to be kind of near my birthday. So I would have multiple reasons to just celebrate all month yeah. long. Yeah. Um, and two, I released a short story orchards last year, which does have ties to the series. And that was on August 2nd. So I kind of wanted it to be near that same. Yeah. So how is it when you are kind of like meeting people in person as an author, have you done it a lot? Uh, You know, you have multiple books out like me personally, I've always found it strange when, you know, I, I'm, I used to set up the comic cons or whatnot, selling artwork and you'd be talking to people and they'd be like, you know, either like, oh no, I have this print at home in my wall or, <laughs> you know, like, no, I came to find you specifically. Um, those things were always just bizarre. Have you kind of had that kind of similar experience? So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't happen very often with me. Um, you know, I'm still, small potatoes in terms of uh, a writer in the the horror community. So when it does happen, it's usually pretty like, who? Me? What? Yeah, you almost um, want to be like, are you at the right table? Are you sure? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I've had, I went to AuthorCon in, um, in April, which is down in Virginia, and that's a pretty huge convention um, that focuses on a lot of horror authors although other authors are certainly allowed to attend Mm -hmm. um and you know i had people who were posting you know via facebook like oh i'm gonna come find you oh i'm you know can't wait to meet up with you whatever and that's always fun because i really like meeting readers in person um i have so many interactions on social media with readers a lot through twitter a lot through facebook um, so just having that face to face is really, really nice and getting to spend time with them uh, and talk with them about, you know, what they liked, what they didn't like, things like that. Um, I'm always really interested in feedback just generally, um, on my stuff. I'm always looking to see what I can do differently or, you know, better. So. And, and it's, it's interesting, like we create in different ways opposed to like say a stand-up comic or a musician they have mm-hmm. that immediate response that you know they're performing and they either get the laugh or the applause or people singing along where you're an author and i was just when you're explaining this i was just thinking like wow man what did authors do before social media is like <laughs> you wrote your book you saw how well it sold and then <laughs> other than numbers it was just like and it kind of made me think of podcasting like I see the numbers. I know what our downloads are. I know where we get downloaded. But every time I meet someone who listens to the show, it's just like mind bogglingly different. 
Yeah. Because you're just like, oh my God, you're a real person, not just like some bot or computer that accidentally clicked on us. Yeah. It's um like I've had a few people who have messaged while they're reading or sent pictures while they're reading something and then like, oh no, you know, I had nightmares because I'm reading this or um, you know, like what what was your inspiration behind writing this? And and I'm always like, yay. Here. <laughs> I feel like giving someone nightmares has to be like the pinnacle of being a horror author, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Well, it's great. I love it. Um, you're like, I live inside your brain now. <laughs> yeah. Like these two coworkers that I've written about have both had nightmares from reading <coughs> stuff. So I, I love that. That just makes me like so excited, mostly because, you know, they're big dorks, but I love them. Um, and the fact that I've gotten in their heads, you know, and not just, you know, during our everyday uh, interactions at work just makes me feel really special. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I love it. It, it. It's I never really thought about it, but like that, that's got to be like the standing ovation for horror author is I couldn't sleep for two days. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One of them actually had like. A fever or something and was trying to read my book and had crazy fever dreams Ooh, that sounds even worse just like all right might not have done that myself <laughs> but i'm glad that i'm still glad that i scared you do you have nightmares or draw from them to add you know for your book yeah occasionally um it's been a while since i've pulled something from a nightmare um to use in a book but um i wrote a novella a few years ago called the collection which is about this guy who goes out to a mansion in the countryside his dad was a collector of odd objects and these objects all have scary things that they do and i had a dream about being in this like very uh deserted country estate and there were taxidermy animals that were coming to life around me oh cool and it was a really vivid like like i saw colors and and the you know sinewy musculature and everything and it was really uh very lifelike so i drew from that when i was working on that book and that's kind of the last time i think that i did something like that most of my dreams that i have now are just i don't remember them or they're just not fun yeah. <laughs> at all <laughs> i i rarely remember my dreams um although the one thing that i've found over the past maybe 10 years or so I don't remember it happening before that is it's not like I have friends that have had sleep paralysis and you know, oh, they, they, they feel a presence in the room or see a shadow in the room. And I don't have that. Like, I don't know if I've ever felt paralyzed and unable to move, but I have a recurring like audio hallucination, I guess Ooh. where like, in my brain, I wake up because someone is knocking on my door and it is loud oh, and 
like a forceful knock and like very like not like oh did that just happen like i have gotten up and answered the door like numerous times and just standing there by myself oh that's weird it's very strange i mean now i've just kind of gotten used to it where like i'll hear the noise i'll be like oh i guess i'm getting up now but um yeah it's 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 really it's so hard to explain how vivid it is yeah and you know like if i'm living in an apartment it sounds like the 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 apartment door if i'm living in a house it sounds like my bedroom door and god yeah it's it's uh, that's a story it's a little unnerving yeah like wow you can figure out where those knockings are coming from but um yeah it, it but like it's not it's not ominous it's just loud and startling yeah yeah huh strange um you actually just reminded me about a dream that I had when I was, I think I was in high school and I've remembered it since because it was so weird, but it was a very like shoot him up dream. I was in a car, there were guns. It was like being chased. Um, very Jason Statham, high adrenaline. Yeah. And I remembered in my dream, I got shot in the head and it was this very like, I don't know, like it was such a weird feeling, you know, like not pain, but just this like fuzzy feeling all of a sudden. Hmm. Interesting. And I woke up and I had fallen asleep in a really weird position so that there was this pressure against this side of my head. And that was where that feeling was coming from. Hmm. But I remembered waking up and just being like, what? What? ever <laughs> <laughs> see yeah usually when i remember dreams it's like those weird dreams where you're like at your parents house but it's not your parents house it's actually your best friend from elementary school's house but in your brain is parents house and yeah you know someone's making macaroni and cheese for no re- it's, it's just one of those bizarre like someone just shook up your brain and everything fell out kind of dreams yeah yeah um i don't know how anyone could interpret that into a story but um <laughs> Where else do you draw your, um, you know, inspiration from, I suppose? Um, Well, interesting that you ask. I am currently trying to go through this, like, self-exploration of childhood films that I watched that may have inspired some of my dark uh interesting writing yeah Yeah. it's and a lot of my because i'm a 90s kid uh a lot of the stuff that i watched when i was a kid are you afraid of the dark yeah i mean yeah we we watched are you afraid of the dark um but more of the stuff not directed at kids specifically like like i for instance right now i'm in the middle of writing a non-fiction um piece about steven spielberg's hook which i guess you could say is kind of a kid's movie but it's also not kind of a kid's movie too yeah Um, it definitely kind of walks the line between the two it does and so i rewatched that last night and i was just like picking up on all these things here and there that i was remembering from when i was a kid and maybe not fully cognizing either like just sort of was like oh wow yeah 
And I've, I feel like I've pulled from this and I've used this in things before. Um, but like also some of the horror scenes in that movie, um, the darker scenes in that movie that I really focused on. Uh, yeah, just very scary. Um, and most recently I realized that <laughs> the never ending story and the wizard of Oz have been two of my most constant ones that I have pulled from without realizing it. Yeah. Just I mean, the never ending story is yeah. amazing. And, um, and that one more than the Wizard of Oz, I realized more recently and I was just kind of like, oh shit. Yeah. There's a lot of never ending story stuff in my work. Like I definitely pull from the fantasy, um, genre and then horrify it yeah. as much as I can. And yeah, it just, well, it just makes me love those movies even more respect them even more <laughs> that's a that's a really interesting exercise to do i think i think i'm gonna try to start to do that more because i know i think people should do that more in general because that's yeah. I, i've thought about that and like shows that were like really influential on me yep. as a kid and explain some of my eclectic nature because i mean <laughs> like i i loved never ending story um there is a Don Knotts, Tim Conway movie called Private Eyes. That oh. Way back when I first got HBO, it was like one of the three movies they played. And it's stupid and silly, but very in a gothic murder huh. mystery kind of way. And I've gone back to try to watch it. I'm like, woof, this is not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that's okay, though. Like, yeah. there's plenty of those movies that were not good that like we still love them and we still found inspiration in them and that's and like i'm fine. almost 50 and i can still quote from that movie you know and i've oh, seen sure. it in 35 years probably if not more and it, it, it's like you know um where's some of the others uh the last unicorn i watched a ton when i was a kid I am ashamed to say that I have not seen The Last oh, Unicorn. It's good. Don't be ashamed because you can still watch it. I mean, it's it's good and it's it's one of those things where you watch and you're like, this is dark as fuck. And like, yep. who would let a little kid watch this? And yeah, um, I, I remember those maybe 20 years ago or so. I was watching Clash of the Titans because I that was another one that I loved as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I've had it on and I'm like, oh, it's a G, you know, anybody can watch this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot there's a, a scene in this G rated movie where she walks across her bedroom topless for no reason whatsoever, huh. uh, which shows you how old the VHS tape I had of it was because that's been like long taken out. And it, it's mm -hmm. there's just, I mean, so much. And then like, I'll think Mr. Wizard, like. I hmm. loved Mr. Wizard growing up, which means, you know, explains my love of science and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So that's a really interesting exercise to kind of. Yeah. And I think it's, it's partially the stuff that you watched when you were growing up. And it's also the, the stuff that you watched when you were kind of in that, like early teens, um, you know, not quite 
not quite to your 16, 17, but your early teens. 11 that you, to 15. Getting into. Yeah. yeah. Um, that also is uh, a really major influence point too. Um, and I found a lot more movies from that time period that have made um, more influence movies and TV shows, of course, but yeah. Um, and music, I feel like from that era. And, yeah. Yeah. Music too. Music those is those tend to be the ones you get defensive and like appalled at like, what do you mean you haven't seen Goonies? You know? Yeah. If you, so it's interesting. I have kids and I was at one point kind of going back being like, Oh, I should show them stand by me. I should show them Goonies. Mm -hmm. I should show. And the one that popped into my head was I'm like, Oh, I should show them pump up the volume. <laughs> and then I really thought about it and I'm like, that movie makes zero sense to any late millennial or Gen Z. Yeah. Because they'd be like, who cares if he's, you know, I have a podcast. No one cares. That, you know, why the FBI or the FCC after? Him? So it was, it's just a really such a, a pinpoint, like you cannot recreate that, yeah. that movie will never be remade. Yeah, product of its time. Yeah. Do you, when you write, do you try to, I mean, I feel like everyone would try to make a timeless story, but do you ever worry about, you know, including a bit of technology or something as a major part in the story where you're like, oh, uh, so should have left that out that whole bit about beepers. Um, so I actually have done this and I feel really dumb. I, I fixed it recently, but, um, my first book that I put out in 2010, 2010, I had the main character using a personal data assistant and, and I went back and I republished those books. I updated them. And when I was reading through, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, what the? F and and I was just like, no, he's going to have a cell phone yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there was something else in that book, too. It was oh God. It was. Yeah, it was almost like because I had a track phone. I in 2010, I was not thinking like. I didn't have a good cell phone. So I wasn't just thinking of cell phones being like, you can do everything on them. Right. Um, and so a personal data assistant was what this character had. And that's what he was using to access like maps and look at things. And, um, and now if you write someone with a track phone, they're obviously a drug dealer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Burn, yeah. Burners. Yeah. Burner phone. That's funny. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how like stuff like that can change. Like I said, I, I was rewatching Breaking Bad. It's not an old show, but yeah. they had a bit about them uh, where his son is creating a website so people can donate to his cancer treatment. And I'm oh, like, yeah. oh my god! I mean, it's a Kickstarter or a yeah. GoFundMe, and it's just, yeah. it wasn't a thing then. It's it's just so funny how, like, you, you look back and, and certain things can seem so dated so quickly. 
Yeah. But I, what I like about that is like, if you were trying to go for the, you know, nineties vibes or the early two thousands vibes, and that's, that's part of the character of the book then go for it. That's, that's cool. Um, but if you're not, then yeah, you do. Kind of like a stranger, stranger things. I feel like they, they super, they lean into it so hard though, that every once in a while they'll do something or say something that I'll be like, that wasn't a thing in, in the eighties. Like yeah. someone referred to someone else as a stalker. And I'm like, no one called anyone a stalker in the 1980s. <laughs> it wasn't a thing. So have you been watching Stranger Things at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm all caught up with Stranger Things. I'm waiting on season five with, you know, bated breath. Uh, I kind of was part of it's my fault. I thought the last season was the last season. So when it didn't wrap up and end, and I'm like, I thought like, I'm like, where's this yeah. going to go? Like, I, I just was kind of almost disappointed that I had to watch another season, which is strange. Oh, but. yeah. No, that, that last season I really enjoyed. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know if I liked it, more than the previous season though like the mall season to me was up here and yes may it maybe it has something to do with the whole never-ending story song in there too but um oh but that's it, right it just i i thought it was so good um so we'll see we'll see how the final season goes yeah have you ever being a nineties kid felt that because it, it's so, it's so weird because I was a early eighties kid, uh, even late seventies. And last night on jeopardy, one of the uh, categories was nineties kids. And it was oh. all like referencing to nineties kids. I'm like, how is this a jeopardy thing? This just happened. Um, but it really hasn't. Yeah, like, wow. It was a while. It was a long time ago. Yeah. You feel like because now the music I listened to in high school is on like oldies. Are you ready for that time when '90s music is considered oldies or something '90s is considered retro? Yeah. I mean, it's. I'm. I guess I'm okay with it. I'm at a point where, like, I get it. I'm. I turned 35 this year, so I'll, you know, I'm, I'm at, I'm at peace with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just felt like it um, snuck up and came out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. Well, when I was, when I started writing this article too, I was like, oh, and Hook came out in 1991 and it's been over 20 years. So, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I saw, just, uh, I think it was a TikTok where they're like, oh, it's the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. I'm like, that cannot be right. And I'm like, ah, shit, it is. Yeah. You know, it's like if you were born the day it came out, you are way into your adulthood. Yeah. And that's just, it's it's a weird, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like my boyfriend and I, we were, he had a list on his um, phone that he was going through and it was all these uh, 90s songs uh, it was like the top 50 90 songs that this, you know, online website had picked. 
And we were trying to guess the years that some of these songs came out. And some of them were early 90s. And it was just like, wait, really? That was that early or this was that late or. Yeah. It's so in your exploration of your younger self, Mm -hmm. other than never ending story, because that's too obvious. I feel like that's what is one that's more on the obscure side that people may not be familiar with that you be like, Hey, you should, you should check this out. Uh, um, so it is still wizard of Oz related um, and, and never ending story related. They are, but the sequels to are those you implying films, they have in the same universe. The, the, no, um, <laughs> the sequels to both of those films, yeah. I don't yeah. think are as well known. Um, maybe return to Oz more than never ending story too, but Never Ending Story 2, I watched before I watched The Never Ending Story. Oh, interesting. And The Never Ending Story 2 was one that we always rented just on repeat as yeah. kids. Um, and it is kind of a shit show of a movie. I was going to say, but, I've seen it and I don't remember enjoying it. But I but, also, I grew up on The Never Ending Story. But man, it's dark. I mean, yeah. the it takes, it does take place in the second half of the book um because the book is a two-parter and like the first movie is the first part of the book the second movie is the second part of the book and it it's it's good i definitely have pulled stuff from never ending story two and have written that stuff um but i feel like that's one that not a lot of people have seen um, and I do think that it's worth seeing it. Um, and then, of course, Return to Oz, which is... That's a dark movie. An 80s dark masterpiece. My poor brother hated that movie. And I would rent it all the time from this like sketchy movie store out in the woods because we yep. had two in town. There was one that was within walking distance. And there was one that was like way out in the woods. Video mania. <laughs> and um and we would always that was the one i would just rent from there and he could not deal with uh queen mombi and the heads he just couldn't handle it and i was just like yes yes give me i want the heads the headless queen scene and um and the the wheelers which good god that whoever thought of that um well L. Frank Baum, clearly, um, just absolute nightmare fuel. Um, yeah, just excellent movie, well, super gonna, dark and scary. I'm gonna make a recommendation. Not dark and scary, but it does have some scary bits. Um, it was probably mid '80s, directed by Terry Gilliam. Uh, Robin Williams was in it. And it was the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh, if you I've heard it, of it, it's amazing. Okay, and it is uh, takes place in France, I think, and the town is surrounded by the Sultan's forces, and they're trying to, you know, survive. There's like completely under siege, and there's a a troop of actors. They're putting on a play 
and like it, it based on how well the play goes is whether they get like thrown over the wall to the Sultan's troops or okay. they can stay. And they're telling the story about, you know, uh, Baron Munchausen, who is this um, folklorish character who goes on these crazy adventures, but they're always implying that he's lying, you know, because okay. they're so ridiculous. And um, the play is interrupted by an elderly gentleman who claims to be the actual Baron Munchausen. Hmm. And then the adventure, you know, goes on okay. from there and they go to the moon where the king of the moon is and they get swallowed by a whale and they go to the center of the earth and um uh meet uh aphrodite and um oh god who's the 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 greek god of the underworld uh oh hades um he was not maybe it's roman then um he's like the the, the forger of oh weapons um oh my god but yeah i, I mean it's just know this it's this, <laughs> it's this great adventure and it's full of like monty python actors and it, it's weird and bizarre and fanciful and dark at times and funny and it's okay amazing it is a perfect movie i watched it a million times as a kid and um even uh, Uma Thurman's in it. Like, oh wow, like okay, eighteen-year-old Uma Thurman. Um, huh. So it's uh, it's it's a gem of a movie. Okay, I'm definitely gonna have to see if I can find it somewhere. Yeah, it's probably it's gotta be streaming somewhere. I think. But. So that's what that's what I would think too. There's there's a lot um, that are not easy to find, or you do have to like pay for them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll have to to see what i can find yeah but uh thanks for coming on the show man it was yeah. good to catch up with you and uh we'll see you on august 20th here yeah, in I'm plymouth excited. it's gonna be at the mayflower brewery Ooh, excuse me there'll be food trucks and i think right now we have 15 authors signed up and we have more uh that we're working on from all genres we have everything from cookbooks to children's books to horror to mystery um some not like historical i don't want to say true crime because i don't know if that's accurate um and i'm even i think we have a western guy that's signed oh, up and cool. then we have a, a small local mom and pop bookshop that's going to be there so we're we're kind of okay. trying to keep the printed word relevant and have awesome. some beers i mean that's the plan yes awesome. so um so thanks again uh where can people go to find your website that's the i suppose that's the last bit yeah um you can find my website at katherinesilvaauthor.com um and i do have you know I'm, I'm on all the different social media platforms facebook twitter instagram tiktok you can find me everywhere and i've got a sub stack too now so a what a sub stack is a um, blog it's a oh. blog that you can subscribe to. So that's where I will be posting my nonfiction hook analysis. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And haven't even heard of that. I'll check that out. Oh, all cool. right. All right. So uh, listeners, you can uh, catch both of us on August 20th at Pages and Pints at Mayflower Brewery. And uh, you can buy Catherine a beer. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> and I'll catch you guys again next week. 
And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash inebriart to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.